Shalom, and welcome to Via Hafta Yisrael, a Hebrew phrase which means you shall love Israel. We hope you'll stay with us for the next 30 minutes as our teacher, Dr. Baruch, shares his expository teaching from the Bible. Dr. Baruch is the senior lecturer at the Zera Avraham Institute based in Israel. Although all courses are taught in Hebrew at the Institute, Dr. Baruch is pleased to share this weekly address in English. To find out more about our work in Israel, please visit us on the web at loveisrael.org. That's one word, loveisrael.org. Now, here's Baruch with today's lesson. A wise one always agrees with God, knowing that God's instruction brings us into His will, and when we are in His will, we are going to receive His provision. He is going to work in our lives and in our situations in order that the goodness of God is manifested in us and through us so that ministry can be done. There is an inherent relationship between fidelity to the Scripture and the work of God being accomplished. Well, we've been studying in the book of Romans now for several months. And last week, we began that final chapter, chapter 16. And God willing, in this session, we're going to complete this final chapter. And last week, we saw something. God was speaking to us about a woman. A woman who was used mightily by God, who was a blessing to the Apostle Paul. But nowhere in this scripture does it say that she was a pastor or a teacher over men and we need to realize it's only when we submit to God's instructions then and only then God's power his blessings his insight and his activity will be at work in our circumstances so ask yourself a very important question and that's this do I really want God's activity in my life do i really want to be led into his will brought there in order that god is glorified there is that relationship between the glory of god and the obedience of his people to scripture well let's begin look with me to where we left off last week romans chapter 16 and we're going to begin with that 17th verse and in actuality that same message of fidelity to Scripture is being spoken of in this verse. Let's begin. Paul is speaking, and he says, But I encourage you, brethren, brethren, both brothers and sisters, in other words, believers. And Paul wants to encourage them, and this is a word to encourage for the right thing to do what is proper in the eyes of God. And in this context, that word to encourage may not be strong enough. It has a degree of exhorting someone, pressuring them, putting great motivation into them to do the right thing. And you say, well, how do I know what the right thing is? It's found in this book. Obedience to Scripture positions me and equips me to do the right thing now notice what he says here the entire verse but i exhort you brethren to do something to watch out now this is the word 
that we get in English to scope something out. And it means to be watching, to be paying attention, oftentimes for that which is threatening. Now we know something. We know that we have an enemy. And that enemy wants to bring adversity into our life. He is an accuser and he wants to see shame in our life in order that we become the recipients of the punishment of God. God is quite different. God loves us. He doesn't want us to experience adversity, but he wants us to have that life, a life of abundance in this world and the world to come, that is, in the kingdom of God. He wants to bless us. He wants us to be recipients of his promises. But again, the only way for us to be recipients of the promises of God, the blessings of God, is if we find ourselves in the will of God and also doing what he would have us to do. And again, how would I know what these things are? Only through scripture. And that's why so frequently that enemy, he attacks the authority and the fact that there are no heirs in this book. It is a holy book, a book that reveals the truth of God. So Paul says, I exhort you, brethren, to watch out. It's a word of being cautious concerning what? Well, he says divisions. Now, here's the problem. We will find unity in obedience to Scripture. But when people say such things, well, that's how you see it. Well, I, I have a different truth. I, I look at things totally in a different way. And, and I don't take everything so literally in the scripture. Well, when people have those types of attitudes, you know what's going to happen? There's going to be just that division. But notice it just doesn't speak about divisions, but notice the next thing also. And this is where we get the word scandalous from. There's a relationship between the word scandal and shame. When there's a scandal, someone is embarrassed, someone feels ashamed. And what happens is this. It is when we are not watching the Word of God as its authority for our life. When we don't approach Scripture as the truth of God, as required to obey it and take it literally, when we don't do that, the outcome is going to be division, and that division is going to bring about scandalous activity. It's only in obedience to God's word that we find things such as purity and holiness and the goodness of God, those things that are virtuous. But when we go it our way, denying the authority of Scripture, rebelling against the instructions of Scripture, scandals are going to come. And he says here, notice, there are those, and the word order is somewhat different here than in your Bible. I'm looking at the Greek text, and it speaks about those that from, it says, the teaching from which you've been taught. So Paul says, you've been taught right, but from the teaching that you've been taught, there are those who want to do what? There are those who are making and turning you from these this truth. 
from these things that you've been learned, these things that are, are biblically sound. So there's always that. Wherever the word of God is proclaimed accurately, this is going to attract the enemy. He's going to want to work to bring about a change. He's going to want that truth to be set aside, to be altered. Because when God's truth is compromised, when it's rejected, when it's not believed, when we say, well, that was for then, but this is now. That worked for that generation, but, but we're a new generation. We're enlightened. We're smarter than them. We see things differently. We're living in a, a, a different circumstance. Whenever we talk in those ways, it is an invitation. You know who rejoices with words such as that? The enemy, Satan, that old devil. He loves it when we disobey the word of God, when we doubt the authority of Scripture. And we see, and just think about this for a moment. It was because of Eve in the Garden of Eden that, that doubted the authority of God's word, that said that she was going to look at it for herself. And when God said, this isn't food for you, don't eat it, it's going to bring about death. She looked at it, and according to her perspective, she said, it was good. And because she made the decision, rather than submitting to the revelation of God, think about what, what happened because of that. Death, all the death throughout this entire world. And not just death, but wars and sickness and disease and conflict. Everything that is no good came because she decided to do it herself, to go her way, to lean upon her understanding rather than upon the authority of Scripture. And I promise you this, when we doubt the Word of God, we are saying, I want problems, I want adversity, I want pain, I want suffering, I want despair, I want all these bad things. Do not, hear that, do not doubt the Word of God. Realize that this is authority, God's authority over your life. And that biblical word in Greek, exousia, with authority comes power. They go hand in hand. So are, there are those who are making divisions, who are causing things to be scandalous because they, they want to turn you away from the truth that you have been taught. Look now to verse 18. Now we're going to talk more about those people. Verse 18. For such ones, notice this, our Lord, Messiah Yeshua, they do not serve. And that's right. When you deny the truth of God, you are no longer able to serve Messiah as Lord. He, he's no longer your Lord if you reject His Word. It's only through the Word of God that you can understand His Lordship over you. And what a wonderful thing it is to have Messiah as the Lord of your life. This is where you find yourself being made accessible to the good things of God when we walk in obedience to His Lordship. So he says here, For such ones... We could translate it against our Lord Messiah Yeshua, against him. 
For they are not able to serve, but they're not serving our Lord. But who are they serving? It says here, middle of verse 18, but their own belly. And not only that, notice what they do. It says, also through these, these kind words. That's literally what it says. Or gracious words. Their speech, speech seems so nice. It's so smooth. It's endearing. And they also want to speak words of, of blessing. But notice all of this is a front. Why? It says they do this. And they are deceiving the hearts of the naive. Now, the naive here is a word that means those who really don't think there's evil in this world. Those who are naive doesn't think that there is that enemy, Satan. They think that is all superstition, it's all fairy tales, and therefore they are naive against the enemy of God's people. And one of the greatest tools that we have in order to live a victorious life is this book. Cherish it. Obey it. Agree with it. Study it. And apply its revelation to your life. That's what a true believer, a disciple of Messiah, one who understands that he's Lord. This is how one behaves. Look at verse 19. For your obedience, now he's talking about this congregation in Rome, and he says, for your obedience has arrived to all, meaning this, this congregation is, and is a very important word, obedience. What has arrived to others, what they're aware of is how this congregation is obedient. Now, isn't that what you want? I mean, don't you want a reputation that you are an obedient servant of your Lord and Savior, Messiah Yeshua, Jesus Christ? There's nothing better than to be thought of as an obedient servant. The problem is, all too often, we are not wanting to obey God, but we're trying to get God to obey us and go according to our plans. Understand your plan, if it originates in yourself, apart from God revealing it to you, that plan that you have is a plan of deception. Whose plan it is, is it? It's not yours. It came, its origin is the enemy, to lead you away from the will of God. So he says here, look again, what has become known about this congregation is your obedience in all the places, all these places, it has arrived. Therefore, he says, I rejoice over you. And furthermore, he says, and I want you, he says, to be wise in regard to the good things. Be wise. Now, wisdom here has to do with understanding. I want you to understand the good. And as we've said so many times, good is synonymous with the will of God. But he says, I want you to be innocent concerning that which is evil, that which is opposed to God's word. Now, he's using the Greek language, but he's using those same words in the Old Testament in Hebrew. Tov, good, 
relating to the will of God, and ra, that which is bad, evil, which simply means that which is not God's will, that which is in conflict with God's will. And the truth for us is this. It is only, and I want to say that again, it is only when you obey these words, asking the Holy Spirit to be your teacher, praying diligently in order that you might have understanding, reading this word, trusting in it, affirming, God, I know that this is your scripture to humanity. And I know that when you gave it in that original language, no errors, no no imperfections, but the holy word of God. Now, obviously, as it's been translated and handed down to people in different languages, there can be some, some issues with translations. But when we get to the original, we find that the word of God is perfect. The theologians use the term inerrant, which means there are no errors in the original scripture. And therefore, he says, look carefully, next verse, verse 20. Now, by the way, this is the last verse that Paul wrote in this epistle because he says this, and the God of peace, again, peace is related to the fulfillment of God's will. When we do that which is good, the outcome of doing good is peace. And this is what he speaks of here. And the God of peace, what will he do? It's in obedience to the will of God that we're going to have victory. That means the enemy is going to be defeated, it says. And the God of peace will crush. Now, this is a word in the ancient times. This word meant to, to lay pavement, to make a road, to crush down rock in order that one could, could pass over it in a carriage or so. And so what he's saying here is this, and the God of peace, how does he make peace? By crushing Satan under, and I like this, your feet. Crushing Satan under your feet, and he will do so quickly. He will bring about that change with speed. Now, what is that all dependent upon us? us submitting to the word of God. When we do so, it brings Satan to destruction in his agenda. What he's doing, what he wants to bring about, it defeats, thwarts, and destroys his plans and purposes, which are always against us. Verse 21. Now, in verse 21, we have a different author. Who is it? It is a man who is Paul's scribe. And here he wants to add a few things of his own, and obviously Paul would, would agree with this. And obviously this too is Scripture, meaning it is fully inspired by the Holy Spirit. He says, he wants to include, Timothy, he greets you, the one who is my fellow servant. Also Luke and Jason and Sosi Patros my relatives, meaning also of that same descent. He said, they also greet you. And then he says, look at verse 22. He says, and I, Tertios, I, Tertios, I greet you. And who's this man? He says, the, the writer of this epistle, meaning he's the scribe. 
the Apostle Paul spoke these things, having been fully inspired by the Holy Spirit, but it was this man that wrote them down. He was Paul's scribe. We've talked about how at times Paul will write something at the end of an epistle in his own handwriting. He had that tradition. But here, look again, verse 22. He says, And I, Tertios, greet you, the scribe of the epistle in the Lord. And he says also, Gaeos, my host, he greets you. And speaking of this man, Gaeos, he is the one who's also a host of, of all the congregation, meaning he is a, a very, very uh, hospitable individual. And it says, look at the middle of verse 23, another individual by the name of Eratos, he greets you. And who's this man, Eratos? He is the manager of the city. So he had an important role as managing this city. And we find that he was a believer, and then it concludes with another individual, and that is Kuartos, the brethren. Simply saying a brother in the Lord that they probably were aware of. So he greets them as well. So we have Paul writing to the Romans, and we see individuals having been a blessing to Paul, writing down this epistle, utilizing different things to be an assistance to Paul, that this epistle to the Romans might make its way to him. And then the author, he says for himself what Paul said earlier. Look at verse 24, where he too says, the grace of our Lord Messiah Yeshua with all of you, meaning be with all of you. Amen. Now, verse 25. In verse 25, we have what we know, know we have what is known as a benediction. So this one now, some would say, Paul, this is his benediction that, that he had, and, and Tertios simply inserted a few a few lines of his own so however you want to understand this it's a scriptural benediction that's found at the end of the book of romans and this is what it says but to him who is able to make you strong now let me ask you a question do you want spiritual strength he's going to tell us how to the one who is able to make you strong according to my gospel. Now, because it says my gospel, I believe that this is the words of the Apostle Paul. Now, I come to that conclusion because Paul frequently spoke about my gospel, the one that he received directly from Messiah Yeshua. So he writes, according to my gospel, and the preaching, the focus of the gospel, the real gospel, is about the preaching of Messiah Yeshua. Preaching him, revealing his personhood, who he is, the Son of God, and also his work as the Redeemer. According to the revealing of the mystery. Now, what's that mystery? A, a Messiah that's crucified. A suffering Messiah. 
that, that God himself would look upon the plight of humanity and that God would become human flesh in order to do the work of redemption. That's what he's speaking about here and how that's tied to this preaching of Messiah Yeshua. According to the revealing of the mystery, what mystery? That same mystery that had been hidden for so long since the ancient times. Verse 26. This mystery that had been hidden since the ancient times, but now he says, but now being manifest through, notice this, through also the prophetic scriptures. When we look at the prophetic scriptures, we see that they point to that suffering Messiah. We can learn a lot about the person of Messiah and the work of Messiah through prophecy. This is what's being admonished to us. And that's why I always emphasize and encourage people to study prophecy once more. But now being manifested through the prophetic scriptures according to the commandment, that ancient commandment of God. What's that ancient commandment? He's speaking about faith, that covenant that he made with Abraham. How God brings things into order by faith. And what is faith? Responding to the truth of God. Faith and truth, we've spoken about this much, they go together. So the eternal commandment of God for, notice this, What's important to God? We're saved by grace, but he says, for the obedience of faith. This tells us that faith brings about obedience in a person's life. So there's that prophetic truth that was hidden, but now revealed perfectly in Messiah Yeshua. And through that, we, through him, we can begin to demonstrate faith that obedience of faith and then he says this is for all the nations having been made known verse 27 in verse 27 we conclude the book of romans with a wonderful statement it is a a verse of praise and it concludes this benediction where he says to the only wise god now realize this god he is wise compared to god i know nothing therefore wisdom demands if i know god is forever wise perfectly wise i'm going to listen to him he knows what i need to know and he communicates it through his word his perfect word without any errors to the god who is wise how do we know this god who is wise through Messiah Yeshua. And when we are in Messiah, we can do what we were created to do. Notice how it ends. The glory forever. Amen. That's what you and I are called to do, to live a life. We're saved by grace through what God has done for us in the person of Messiah and Him crucified. But He didn't die forever. He rose from that dead. His death was temporary. He conquered death so that we could have life and a true life that God is pleased with. What we've been created to do is live a life that gives glory to him. 
And when we submit to His Word, we're on that pathway to glory. Well, we hope you will benefit from today's message and share it with others. Please plan to join us each week at this time and on this channel for our broadcast of loveisrael.org. Again, to find out more about us, please visit our website, loveisrael.org. There you will find articles and numerous other lectures by Baruch. These teachings are in video form. You may download them or watch them in streaming video. Until next week, may the Lord bless you in our Messiah Yeshua, that is, Jesus, as you walk with Him. Shalom from Israel. Shalom from Israel.